I know we each kind of have our own stories on how food became medicine. And if you haven't heard our stories, it's the first episode of the Sakara podcast. The food that we create here at Sakara is designed to transform your gut and your microbiome health. And when you do that, you change everything about who you are. You change your mental health, you change your physical health, you change your spiritual health, you change your cellular health. As you like to say, Whitney, what you eat becomes what you are. Like your body is made up of the things that you eat and drink and think. And what you've learned by listening to our Sakara podcast is that that diversity of ingredients that you're getting into your body changes the diversity of bacteria in your gut, which is the epicenter of your health. And it supports your total body health, not just today, but into the future. And so I want to invite you, if you haven't tried Saqqara before, you deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel nourished in your body. And we are here to help you do that. You can find more details and how to customize your own plan on Saqqara.com and enjoy 20% off your first order of our Saqqara Signature Nutrition Program with code POD. That's code P-O-D at checkout for 20% off your first order. Order now. Prune Harris is a renowned energy expert, consciousness educator, and soul activist who has spent the last 50 years tracking, understanding, and now translating the world of energy for us all to experience. Prune has trained with healers, elders, and wisdom holders throughout the world and is certified in touch for health kinesiology, Eden energy medicine, and Celtic and Norse shamanism. For 20 years, Prune worked as a clinical practitioner, dedicating her skills and gifts to helping those who need to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Through her teachings and best-selling book, Your Radiant Soul, Understand Your Energy to Transform Your World, Prune has empowered thousands of people across the globe to bring consciousness to their energy systems and make small yet powerful changes that elicit real change in their lives. I truly hope you all enjoy listening to this episode. Having favorites is nearly impossible, but I have to say that on a personal level, this episode may have impacted me more than any other. Enjoy. Hi, Prune. Thank you so much for being on the Sakara Life podcast today. I'm so happy to have you here. Me too, Danielle. I'm really looking forward to our conversation together. And yeah, talking to you a little bit about your energy as well. That is Ooh, exciting for me. Wait. Well, we like to start off every podcast with a question about your mission. So what is your mission? What are you here on earth to do? Well, I love that question. And I think that there are two answers. One is to kind of enjoy myself, yeah? Mm. Enjoy my life. Sometimes I can get pretty attached to my bigger mission of kind of what I'm here to do with helping people understand their energy so that they can feel deeply connected into the incredible magnificence of the world that we live within and our roles in it as kind of emerging souls. And that's a most beautiful life mission 
thrills me every day, but sometimes I get pretty intense about it. And as you know, being a CEO of a company and working and managing teams, it can be that actually I have to remind myself to be true to my original mission, which is actually of being that radiant soul of loving my life, of recognizing, even on the tough days, recognizing the incredible wonder of being alive. Mm. I love that answer so much. And I want to tell you why. So one is I found, we've been doing this podcast for a few years now. And what I found is that typically when we ask that question, men answer with their own self-work and women tend to answer with what they're going to give the world. And you know, both are important. And I love that you've recognized that. And I think it's easy for the feminine, I think, to forget that in order to give, we must give to ourselves first. So thank you for that beautiful mm. reminder. It's that amazing balance, isn't it, of receiving. I think we're, we are programmed and conditioned from birth as women to give before we receive. And actually, when I look at the energy anatomy of humans, plants, everything in the world, that's not the way it works. That's not our natural, vibrant way of being. So actually, yeah, for me as a super achiever, then really remembering that our natural way is to receive probably even more than we give so that we can give in our fullness, give in our balance. Now, do I do that all the time? No, not at all. But <laughs> definitely, definitely remind myself. So can you explain kind of exactly what you do and, and what you teach? I read in, in your book that you talk about shining your brightest light, that that is kind of like what the work is for, this idea of shining your light. But what is the work and, you know, how do you share your work? Mm, yeah, thanks. The work for me is helping people understand that as humans, we have an energy anatomy, just as we have a physiological anatomy as well. I've been able to see energy since I was born. It's something I believe that we're all born with, that like deep perception of energy, because we're energetic beings. Everything we are is energy. So each of us, I feel, when we're born, we have that natural language of energy. But as we grow, it's not nurtured. I don't know about you, but I suspect your parents didn't ask you kind of, oh, do you notice that person's energy today? Or did you sense that Uncle Harry was holding grief in his system today? You know, we don't get those cues from our family, from our communities, especially from our education, to actually be understanding the energetic world that we're all a part of. So a big, big part of my world work is helping people understand their energy anatomy because I know after 20 years of private practice and 50 years of working with energy that when you understand your energy systems you can transform your life in every way. All of your habits are held in your energy systems. All of your thoughts, your feelings, their energy, your memories are energy. Your capacity to either be in that place of reaction, fight, flight, freeze, trauma, that's all held in your energy systems. And through simple, powerful, but really simple practices such as 
holding a part of your body or connecting something together, you can support your energy anatomy so that actually you bring your energy system more and more in balance. And when that happens, it means that all of those habits, those habits that came into our system through survival strategies, through coping strategies, through not being able to be our fullest as we grew, being conditioned into being good or being quiet or being nice or all of the things that can come at us as we're in that incredible stage of developing, then actually you can bring them more and more into balance in such simple and beautiful ways. So that's my work. That's what I teach individuals and groups to be able to really understand their energy, to transform their life, but in doing so, of course, transform our entire world. Exactly what you're doing with your beautiful Sakara work, being able to essentially nurture and nourish the vibration of the individual so that, in my language, so that that thread that each of us is in that great big web of life that thread shines brighter. Now you're doing it through your presence, your beautiful soul, your food, your offering, your incredible friendship with Whitney. All of that is shining your thread brightly. And in doing so, it lights up the world for all of us. That inspires us. You transmit an energy and the rest of us receive it. So yeah, very similar, although working in very, very different fields. It's so beautiful. And to me, it sounds like kind of the ultimate emotional, spiritual intelligence that you're absolutely right is not taught. And I'm in the process right now. My oldest is about to go to kindergarten. So, you know, we're thinking about what school is right. And I live in New York City. So (laughs) the process of kindergarten is something I personally could have never imagined because I grew up with a single mother on food stamps and went to the public school that was the only one in our zip code. But in the process in New York City, there's a lot to choose from. And each of them kind of asks questions about who is she? What kind of learner is she? Like, what are you in awe of about her? And so I've actually surprisingly loved the process of this because I've gotten to know her in this new way. But in it, I always come home to like when a school asks us, you know, what do you want for her? It's what you're talking about. What I want for my children is whatever magic that every child is born with. I want that magic to be fostered and I want them to have it for their whole lives. And I think typical academic kind of rigor and academia really schools it out of us that we weren't born with the answers, that we weren't born with emotional intelligence and that you kind of need knowledge and teachers to teach you about yourself and energy when in fact it's really such a tuning in. So I was going to ask you, do you work with like families and children too? Is that something as part of your practice? Yeah, my goodness, you know, working with even helping parents understand their child's energy systems, helping them understand the kind of instinctive deep vibration. We're obviously, we all live on earth and the earth is made of elements. We could say the heavens is as well. Astrologers would let you know exactly what that elemental mix is. But each element carries a specific vibration. And how we house that 
vibration is very specific to us. Can I ask you, yeah. is it when you talk about energy, kind of what do you mean and what do you see or what are you looking for? Can you like describe yeah. it a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So if we kind of come back maybe to Einstein or even come back to thousands of years ago and the civilizations of that time or the tribal indigenous wisdom, the understanding is that we're all deeply interconnected, yeah? Every part of the cosmos, every part of our human energy field is deeply connected. And if we think of everything in the universe being simply waves of energy or fields of energy, fields with waves in. So if we kind of take that as a initial concept, then I am a field of energy. This amazing field of energy that's me is interacting with every other field of energy. So everything around us, animals, plants, humans, stones, soil, everything, anything that your mind has gone to, food, holds a specific energy field. And if that is a living energy field, then it means that it's in continual communication with every other living energy field. So for me, when I walk down the street, for example, or go for a walk in the woods that are close to me, I can see how the vibration of the trees is emanating out from the trees, through the roots, connecting with other energies where the water's flowing underneath, all of that's vibration. So in our human energy field, we could kind of separate those systems, different vibrations within our field. So for example, the chakras. Many, many people are familiar with the chakras. You know them deeply from yoga and from the Ayurvedic tradition. So the chakra system is part of your energy anatomy that's a little bit different from your aura system. Again, a term that we're familiar with in some ways. So this aura or biofield system, if we use a slightly more scientific term, they intersect, they meet, they share information, they're part of your overall energy field, but they have different qualities, different vibrations, and together they make that whole. So when I'm looking at a human being, I'm able to see all of those different systems, how they flow in balance, how they don't, where the, where the congestion is or where the depletion is in their energy systems. I can see how it connects into the cosmos through amazing centers at the top of our head and into the earth energy below. Talk about giving and receiving, yeah? We give our energy into those bigger energies and we receive energy. And when we talk about energy, just think of information. That's all it is. Energy is coded information. So we've got this kind of cosmic code, individual code. We've got the meat point of it. And through it all runs your immense soul energy. Wow. And so you can see that every human that kind of passes by your field of vision not even vision, more than that. No, no, I didn't wow. even need to see them. If you said to me, I have a 
cousin who um, I would like you to yeah. tell me about their energy, then that's how interconnected we are. Okay, I, I've taught thousands of people how to perceive energy and I recognize in myself that that's a pretty advanced level of energetic perception, but we, we all do it. You know yourself when your little one walks into the room or you're in a cafe and you meet up with a friend before they've even taken a step you can tell how they're feeling, can't they? You can tell like, oh, they they seem flat today or wow, they're on form. And sure, some of that's the way they're carrying themselves. But it's also that you interpret and understand their energy. I'd love to go into kind of how you transmute, transform, shift, and kind of take care of, nurture your energy fields. And then also how each of us can kind of get to know both our own energy fields and other people's as well. Yeah. So your energy, absolutely beautiful. I I really... You have the most gorgeous soul color. Everybody's soul color is absolutely beautiful. So that's the <laughs> color that's housed at the very, it's the vibration. Color's just a vibration, isn't it? So if I'm talking about color, it's just a specific hue to the vibration that is your soul mm-hmm. energy. For every human, their soul energy resides at their core level, and then it radiates out through the radiant soul, which of course is what the topic of my book was. So that radiant soul energy of yours is the most glorious soft gold Mm -hmm. and that vibration of that soft gold informs us it's got energetic information in it so that the gold is always a story of profound transformation like the gold soul colors come into the world they're very gentle and they're very fierce and their fierceness grows in them as they go through life experiences that demand a fierce courage a fierce compassion for themselves that's the gold energy they have to be able to bring that fierce compassion into themselves so there's that beautiful beautiful gold really soft don't think of a like brass kind of brash gold (laughs) think of like this amazing I don't know I'm thinking now of the Jersey and the Guernsey cows that we have Mm. over here in that incredible Mm -hmm. rich buttermilk yeah that's the kind of gold but it also that gold shows a deep compassion for other people an ability to connect with other people so people's soul colors always guide them through their paths and of course often we can look at the kind of career a person has and and match it with the understanding that yeah this is their soul needs this is what's emerging in your kind of development of your soul so you have all of that which is beautiful but you also have that you've got two of these beautiful soul color vibrations and the other one is an incredible deep bright blue almost like a cobalt blue a very high strong color and as I look at your energy it looks like that one you're finding it's like that's going to be the next part of your amazing development because that that holds I almost want to say the hidden knowledge it holds wisdom, consciousness. It holds a whole different level of being able to hold the big wisdoms of the universe and make them translatable. So it's both kind of 
unlocking knowledge, unlocking secrets and making them translatable. So in a way, Danielle, it would be a color that you would have seen the priestesses of Egypt carry. It's that sort of beautiful, profound. So I don't know if you work with meditation or any of the beautiful mysteries, the the deep mysteries, but your system is definitely primed towards that. Yeah, you could not have spoken to uh, how I'm setting up my next chapter kind of more specifically than you just did. So, wow, that's amazing. So when somebody has kind of like that inner radiant soul color, are they all the colors of the rainbow? And is it like that gold is true for everyone that's gold and that blue is true for everyone that's blue or everyone's color kind of is a specific wavelength of that color that might mean something different? The reality is that that soul color also works with that deep elemental vibration that I was just mentioning about with children. So the fact that that soul color for you is within a sort of package, if you want to use a term like that, your overall energy field is one that really resonates with an earth energy and also what the Chinese would refer to as a wood energy. You've got this massive heart, love of embracing, but also you've got a dynamism to you. So now we put that kind of container within the gold and the cobalt. And it's quite different then. It's like how your soul will be carried through your life begins to be different. So even if there's someone else walking this earth right now that has a very similar gold and a very similar blue together, the ratio might be different. Let's say in your coloring right now, I would say that your gold is 70% and your blues 30%. But someone else will have a different package that carries it. So how they show up in the world will be different then. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. And so how can someone listening to this right now, if they want to tune into themselves and maybe try and see their own colors, do you have tips and tricks for how someone can do that? Well, you know what? Well, let me ask you this question first. Do you like those two colors? Do you have either of those two colors in your life in any way? I definitely love gold. I only wear gold jewelry. And yeah, I'd say the color gold is around me a lot. I'm actually wearing a gold dress this evening. The blue, no, but maybe I need to bring more of that blue in. Yeah, it looks like that blue in your system is kind of getting ready to really emerge. Um, Mm -hmm. But very often I find that when I'm talking with people and sharing their soul colors with them, they might say, that's the color that my bedroom's always been, or I love that color. When I'm sad, I wrap around a shawl that's that color, or whatever the example is. So, of course, We know our soul color and there are ways that we can just really ask yourself as you move into your system. One of the most powerful questions, shall we do it? Shall we do it? Sure, yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's just take a moment to pop both hands on your heart around the sternum. It's the most amazing portal in your energy system and we can access the energetic core that houses that soul color from that place so just taking let's take three breaths here and just invite your breaths to be however whatever is most nourishing for you right now forget any way that you've been taught to breathe 
and just answer the question, what's a nourishing breath? Maybe let's take a moment to feel gratitude for the amazing, amazing body that is you. Your soul energy permeates every part of your body and beyond into your aura. So no separation between your body, your mind, and your soul. And from that place of gratitude, love, appreciation for your body, for all that you are, let's invite a curiosity in. Let's invite the question, if I could perceive my soul color, what would it be? And give some space for that answer to arise. Don't second guess it, don't overthink it. Just invite that answer from your own deep knowing, your own wild wisdom to float forward until it's tangible for you. Breathing that color into your heart and holding it close as you give yourself a gentle rocking hug with those hands. Okay. So clear that you were born to do this work because just your voice is like healing. I swear, I'm, I can't be the first to have told you that. <laughs> no, Danielle, and actually our voice is energetic waves. Yeah. Mm. So I think you're absolutely right that, yes, my energy, which is a healing energy, rolls out through my voice, your voice, which is, it's an energy that holds a call for people to discover the sweetness of themselves. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. It reminds us of the the potential gentleness in life. So absolutely, voice and words are energy, aren't they? We think of the huge energy of words that harm and words that nourish. Yeah, Sakara is actually a Sanskrit word and it means with form. So like giving form to things that don't yet have form. And for Whitney and I, it's really this idea of thoughts to things and how do you give form to your hopes and your dreams. And for us, it was really transforming our relationship to food and therefore how we nourished. But yeah, giving form and and that kind of, it already, your hopes and dreams already have a vibration and then to bring that vibration into form. Okay, so we have this inner radiance that you're talking to, and then you spoke to chakras, which I'm sure most of our listeners are pretty familiar with. Mm -hmm. So when you think of energetic transformation or even energetic maintenance, what are some of the tools that you use to help those, that kind of inner knowing that you spoke to earlier, vibrate through and help us just kind of live that truth? I might sound a little trite or something, but as we spoke to earlier, there's this block between what at my innate self and then how I'm taught to show up in the world. So I picture a lot of your work as this kind of coming home to yourself and your true essence and what you're meant to bring to the world. So 
How do you help people cultivate that, learn it, get to know themselves in that unique way? Yeah. For me, we need to ground it. We need to make it tangible. So even that beautiful way that you were just describing, bringing in those ideas, thoughts, dreams, making them tangible, yeah? That's energy. So as we begin to dream an idea, we begin to house it in our seventh and sixth chakras. As we begin to maybe talk about it, maybe actually begin to speak some truths about it. As we begin to connect with others about it, we move down into the heart chakra. So all the time, we're kind of bringing this energy in that began in the imaginal realm. It began in the place of ideas and dreams and cosmic or collective energy. And now we're beginning to house it individually. Comes down into the heart. We then move into the solar plexus. We start figuring out how to make it practical, how to bring it into the world. Comes down into our second chakra where we begin to test it. We begin to kind of give birth to it and then into the root chakra where it is a physical presence in the world. So for me, being able to align your energy to whatever it is that your greater wisdom, your soul energy is co-creating in the world. I don't believe that anything that we create is utterly independent. That's not the way energy connects. So every idea we have is part of a bigger thread or a bigger, bigger weave of ideas. So understanding your energy, understanding that it's the foundation of our health, our thoughts, our emotions, our ability to connect is the first way. Because otherwise it feels like I could share a thousand practices. If you went to my YouTube channel, you'll find 400 different practices to help balance different parts of your body. But until we kind of have an understanding of what we're working with, it remains slightly ungrounded, slightly away from the house of our energy system, which means maybe that individual practice of just as we did, hands on the heart, or maybe popping your arms, your fingers in your armpits to really activate your healing heart field. Maybe you can do that, but if you don't understand what you're doing when you're doing it, you can't share it with your children. You can't bring it into the schools. You can't be in a situation on a bus and recognize, oh my goodness, these people are absolutely strained and stressed here. I'm going to do this just for me, knowing is going to change the entire energy of this bus. We're that powerful. So for me, it's two parts. One is really teaching the practices, dead simple, that we can do anywhere. Some can be really deep ones. Let's say we're heading towards burnout or our system's just really exhausted and we want to deeply nourish the adrenal glands. Then that can be a 40-minute practice that you do twice a day. Or it can be as simple as hands on the heart or one hand on the heart and one hand in the head, three breaths, quick reset between some of your big meridians and off you go into your day. So the more we understand, the more we can just bring in those simple practices and apply them in our daily life. For me, I think that's the real amazing power of the work. It's not like we only do this when we're in a class or we're sitting on a mat or these are things that many of us will do naturally. I don't think I've ever taught a class where someone in the audience hasn't said, 
I've done this since I was tiny or since I had that horrible divorce. I found I've always done this when I go to bed. And we find that it's a practice that supports the heart or moves grief through. So it's instinctive to us. I love what you're saying because I can think of the kind of parallel in food, which is if you don't have that inner knowing, then how I help you learn how to eat is going to be a to-do list. It's not going to come from this knowledge inside of you, this what we call it, Sakara body intelligence. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is to cultivate body intelligence. You know, I don't want you to have to ever listen to me or to anyone else on what to eat. I want you to learn how to cultivate that body intelligence. And, and for me, it was like the more I ate this way, the more I focus on whole food, plant-rich diet, the more that intuition became louder and louder and stronger and stronger. And even though I'm in the field of nutrition and functional medicine and love the scientific aspect of it, I can tell everyone one thing, and that is that we don't know anything. (laughs) You know, the deeper we go into like the cell mechanics, then we get into quantum and then we're in your world. Mm -hmm. There's only so much we can do with real inputs. And when I say real, I guess I mean tangible inputs, as in food, as in breath, as in water. Most of it is this soul health that you're speaking to. And that's how I think I try to help a lot of our clients get out of, oh, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, the to-do list that you got to meditate in the morning and then you got to work out and then you got to do a lymphatic drainage and then you have to eat the perfect breakfast. If it's a to-do list, we're all kind of missing the point So I I hear you really saying that and taking care of that kind of soul first and foremost, because that's what informs everything else. Absolutely. Support every, every part of that, Danielle. And feeling for me that soul care is health care and health care is soul care. There's no separation. And that's not how we've kind of grown understanding our health. But personal empowerment, that place of really being able to ask yourself the question of, what do I need today to be me? That's a question that I find just so rich. It's such a beautiful question. Yeah. And then we understand, well, it's maybe it's more rest or maybe it's a really good laugh with friends. Maybe it's a big glass of wine as you sit looking at the sunset. Maybe it is that great big feast. Maybe it's fasting. But what do I need today to be me? Like, I... That is a question that governs my life. It's so Mm. beautiful. It's making me emotional. It just, it rings so true. Yeah. That we don't, we're not taught to ask ourselves that. It makes me want to like run home and ask my kids that. (laughs) Yeah. Although maybe, Danielle, you'll get some of my children are now 20 and 23. And my daughter recently, she said to me, I said to her, what do you need from me today to be you? She said, you know, mom. I haven't liked that question for years. I find it quite irritating. I'm like, okay, then I'll stop asking it. Uh, She knows at this stage in her life that she can ask whatever she needs from me. But um, yeah, I think for uh, I started asking that probably when they were a little younger than was appropriate to ask. So (laughs) I don't know. I think it's just the nature of parent-child dynamics. I think it's a beautiful question. Mm. I struggle with my version of it, which is 
raising children who they already have body intelligence because we're all born with it. And so how do you keep that for them in a world where I'm making so many decisions for them around their food? And then when they're left to their own devices around food, they're often not left with the choices that I would hope for them. So it's not even in their control, right? They're in a school environment where I am quite sad about the options for them. So my version of what you're speaking to with your own daughter is I want them to have that relationship with food where they understand how to nourish without having the complexities or the stress and anxiety around food that, you know, food is bad and this food is good. So that balance is really, is really tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really hear that, Danielle, and feel that as parents, that place of well, exactly like we we're talking about with our voices, that place of just transmission of love, transmission of acceptance, being willing to work as a parent through the places where you experience resistance or fear or need for control, being able to clear that energy in ourselves so that those children really get that energetic transmission of like, oh yeah, Mom and dad love me no matter what I eat. And I know what mom wants for me. And I agree or and I don't agree. It's that big place of kind of how do we support our children to be empowered? Because in this world, we need empowered individuals that kind of, for me, if we think in terms of balance and healing. How do we show up as a healing presence in the world? Whatever that means to you. Maybe that you're a gardener. It may be you're a CEO. Maybe that you're a psychiatrist. Doesn't matter. What is a healing presence? How do we bring more balance in the world? And if we empower our children to be that balance in their own fabulous, crazy, gentle, big, quiet, loud brightness, then we're doing amazing jobs as parents. Mm -hmm. Gosh, there's so many gems in this podcast already. Tell me, Danielle, if this is the same for you, but I get so many people writing to me through Instagram, mainly, telling me about how our probiotic has completely changed their gut, their digestive system, and really their lives. A nice place to start for people who are curious and are also experiencing gut issues is the probiotic. It has three really important things. It has probiotics, it has prebiotics, which are the food that feeds the probiotics, and it has both digestive and systemic enzymes. So digestive enzymes help with food. Systemic enzymes are actually really critical too and not talked about a lot, but systemic enzymes help clean up other parts the kind of like trash center for debris in your body, how all three work together is really what makes our probiotic just so special. I'm kind of obsessed with enzymes right now. You don't need to be taking 500 million, billion, trillion CFUs of probiotics every single day to get the impact. You need to be taking the right ones in the right combination that are high quality with the prebiotics, with the enzymes that is going to get you the results that you're looking for. For me, this was part of changing my skin. This was part of clearing and healing my skin was through healing my gut. 
And yes, it was in combination with our Sakara Nutrition Program. But I think this was the little extra booster that I needed on top of it to really make that difference. You can find more details on Sakara.com and enjoy 20% off your first order of our complete probiotic with code POD. That's P-O-D at checkout on Sakara.com. So I want to ask you, when you speak to the inner light, the chakras, I recognize in terms of I've come across some of those theories or knowledge systems before. So when you say you had these visions as a young child, do you think you were tapping into knowledge that has already been discussed and discovered? Or do you think you have like a very unique POV and kind of your own understanding of it? Or are you tapping into a broader knowledge? I believe that our energy anatomy and this place of energetic interconnectivity, just as you were talking about with quantum physics, it always has been, it always will be. And different levels throughout history have understood it at different places and different parts in the world. Cultures have evolved with understandings of that energy anatomy. So even if we go back a few thousand years to tattoos on prehistoric people, there is evidence that some of the tattoo marks are over acupuncture points. Now that's mind-blowing that somebody and the acupuncture points would have correlated with the ailments that the skeletons show up. So it means that thousands and thousands of years ago, there was really almost, let's say, casual knowledge, profound knowledge of how we operate in our, in our energetic beings, in our body systems. But gradually as we moved through the last few centuries, it's become the domain of well, really, we've moved into the age of reason, the age of intellect, and we've removed ourselves from that deep, natural knowledge of our energy system. So I feel what I see is just the way the world is, always has been, always will be. And I'm talking about it through a lens of energy that's now pretty unfamiliar, rather than it being our normal. But at times in history, I feel certain that that would have been absolutely known. And like I said, we all work with our energy anyway. Even think of television programs you've watched where people have been like, ah, and they put the hand over their forehead. Well, right in the middle of the forehead are two amazing points that repattern stress. Think of when people have been shocked and you cover your mouth. Well, on a logical level, that makes no sense. But on an energetic level, we have an amazing energetic vessel, a vital vessel that goes through the throat, around the mouth, all the way down, around the pelvis, the womb. It's one of our deepest energetic channels that carries soul energy through your body system. And by covering our mouth, we stop some of the shock entering the depth of our body. We stop it penetrating us. So in lots of ways, we know we're energetic beings and we work intuitively, energetically all the time. It's just we don't have the language for it. And I think what I bring forward is just helping people understand the language so we can make sense of it. We can make it normal again. I feel 
maybe 30 years ago, yoga was quite a fringe thing in our cultures. You know, we'd know people that did yoga, but it was definitely fringe. Well, now it's very, very mainstream. And I feel certain that that's the way that energetic understandings are going to go as well. One of the things I would love to bring into being is that energy is taught in schools. It becomes a totally natural part of our worldview in every way. And since your work is all about energy and energy fields, and also, as you said, we're living in the age of reason and intellect, we've created a lot of things that are around us that affect energy fields, you know, from EMFs to, you know, Wi-Fi to cell towers. So are there things that you personally do or that you recommend to help protect people? Is it all like work that we ourselves do? Is it objects that help deflect? How do you think about kind of the non, like we, we can't leave, you know, modern day, most of us. Yeah, that's right. And not only all of those specific instruments and waves that are coming at us, but the fact that our environment is so full now of pollutants. So it's reflecting and refracting those waves in that sort of chaotic and non-balanced way. Even carpets or clothes that we wear that aren't natural fibers. We are electromagnetic beings. Mm. All of our cells align in kind of You could think about your 30 trillion cells, each one having a north and a south pole. It's not exactly accurate, but it works. And all of those cells need to line up in your body so that you can ground down into the earth to both release energy and receive it and ground up into the energy above again to release. The below and above really balances the yin and the yang energy in us, the more feminine and the more masculine principles within our body systems. So when we then wear synthetic clothing, for example, then that greatly interrupts the potential of our electromagnetic flow. So now instead of each one of your cells being lined as they need to be for your optimal flow, health, emotional resilience, all of those wonderful things, instead of them being in alignment, now that energetic field, you know, measurable three foot, four foot, six foot off your body when it comes to your electromagnetic heart field, that heart field gets knocked off. Now, from the amazing research that the HeartMath Institute has been doing for decades now, we know that when the heart field is knocked off its electromagnetic flow, then the brain field gets knocked off too. So if I see someone, let's say, Sure, there's Wi-Fi around and things that are affecting the energetic flow in the room. And now they're standing on a plastic vinyl floor in shoes that insulate rather than conduct, wearing synthetic clothes. Then our energy field's natural resilience is going to be compromised. Now, what I want to say, and it comes back to thinking about your beautiful children as well, is that our consciousness, our energy fields are fields of consciousness. So what we think, where we're directing our consciousness, our awareness, our thoughts, that's all that is, where we're putting our thoughts, our energy always goes there. 
So let's say you're in a place where you know the energy is really off. We all know, we've all walked in rooms at times and just felt kind of wired or fractious in a way that we think, hey, what's going on? But actually it's nothing to do with you, it's to do with the energetic environment you're in. If we go into that situation and we can identify, oh, something's knocking me off, my aura, my field around me feels really compromised. I feel vulnerable. I feel like that natural flow and resilience that I have is no longer here. So if you can understand, ah, my aura is being really affected by all of this penetrating energy. So that means I need to do this simple practice, whatever it is for you, connect into that amazing earth star beneath your feet to really ground so that you get that bigger energy coming through your body or fill your aura with your soul color or a color that works for you and that you love in that moment. Whatever it is that you have in your medicine bag that actually brings an immediate change in your energy, then those energetic fields around you, they don't penetrate you. So that's the real power of understanding how to work with your energy. In every situation, you have your mind. And no matter what tools may or may not be working for you, and I know there's a whole host of tools that will purport to work with your energy fields to keep you protected, but actually, If we're in fight, flight, freeze, if we're feeling really vulnerable, if we're exhausted or close to burnout, then there's no tool that you can wear on your body or in the room that will actually be enough because our vitality, our life force is in a very different place and our consciousness isn't there. Exactly like we're talking about with kind of bringing those dreams forward, where your energy will always follow your thoughts. So where are you directing your thoughts? I love what you just said in the quote, wherever you are, you always have your mind. That is so powerful. And so, you know, on the days where let's say I'm on set and there's clothes already picked out for me and maybe it's polyester and that I'm not, I don't have to be a victim to that circumstance. I can transmute and transform my energy. And it makes me think about what's being asked of each and every single one of us on planet earth right now amidst the chaos that each of us are steeped in is exactly what you're saying. We have to be that much more mindful, that much more centered, that much more willing to do the work to recalibrate against kind of the energetic tides that are messing with our own. So I feel like it just takes a lot more mindfulness to exist in a really healthy way these days. And maybe it did centuries ago when we didn't have all these things intercepting our energy fields and and waves which is somehow really makes me feel better about the state of the world, (laughs) even though it's heartbreaking. Of course, it's, you know, thank you for the reminder of even in the midst of chaos, I still have my mind. And the more I can use my mind to bring peace and resonance for my own soul, the more that can happen for others. Absolutely. So, so beautifully put. One of my questions for myself is, if I think of this web of life, which yes, I can see, but we all know we're a part of, if I think of that web of life, how do we shimmer it? 
even more? How does my individual thread shimmer just that little bit more with that vibration of hope? How do we tend to our courage right now? My goodness, it's taking courage to show up, isn't it? It would be so much easier just to say, you know what? I'm just going to hide my head on this one because it's overwhelming. But that just plays into the imbalance. So how do we show up with courage, but still be true to ourselves, still have that courage that's sustainable? It's not a blaze of passion that we'll find ourselves in two weeks' time utterly exhausted and despondent by. How do we connect with each other? Think of that amazing cloak of courage. How And it's woven with every other person's energy, all of the people in the world that are showing up to say, you know what? We choose differently. We choose differently. That's what I regularly, on days when I feel like I need to nurture my own courage or tend to my own heart, that's what I hold in my mind. You know what, Prune? You just wrap that amazing cloak of courage that is woven from all of the immense goodness in the world, the love, the hope, the connection, that place of thinking, I don't want my children, your children, anybody's child to grow up in such confusion, in such deception. So that is, Mm. yeah, that cloak of courage. It's beautiful. So one last question, and then we'll get to light work is, how do you, like, would you say you're religious? Do you have a sense of what God means to you? Hmm. I would say that rather than religious, I'm deeply spiritual and really perceive the sacred in everything. I think that's definitely one of the ways when we understand energy more and more, we understand that every single sentient being and non-sentient being in the universe holds the vibration of the physical so the body or the the physical aspect of it, the mind, that place where our consciousness, our thoughts, our feelings exist within that energy, and also the divine, the sacred, the spiritual. And so I find the sacred in everything, including myself, but that place of being really deeply nurtured by the knowledge of the spiritual magnificence. I was very ill with COVID. I was hospitalized Mm. and spent two weeks in hospital. No, don't be sorry, Danielle. It was one of the most profound and beautiful experiences of my life because I was so poorly that I... I totally kind of left my body for a while and spent five or six days really in a realm that I'm very familiar with. I'm trained shamanically. I'm a natural born shaman. I've always been able to communicate with spirits and do a lot of work in that realm. So I was in that place where actually I was walking along a path and it was the path of the, the souls, yeah? All of these amazing lights, all people who had transitioning from their human life into their non-human life, whatever that might be. And 
I'd actually recently been present and helped a friend have enough energy to die. She was a wonderful elder in our community and her body had really got to the point of no longer working, but she was she was struggling to die and she was so I worked with her energetically and helped her move along and she had the most bright light. She was an incredible healer and as I was moving along this soul path I recognized her light. I recognized her color. Her color was still the same. And at the point I realized like, oh, blimey, I'm on the the path of the souls. Uh, I, I wonder if I'm going to make it back to my human form or whether I'm going to be in, in this transition now. And as I was there in that bigness, a place sometimes some spiritual teachers would call the void. But for me, it was so beyond that that word, that description. It was absolutely pulsing with a very specific energy. And that energy was love. And love beyond any words, beyond anything I can possibly explain. But it was the most profound love of the universe. And it really deeply transformed me when I I did come back to my physical body and did begin to recover and the world was changed from the the profundity of experiencing that divine love. So yes, I would say I am deeply spiritual. (laughs) Wow, you are such medicine. Thank you so much. Mm. I feel like you gave so many light works, but if listeners were to do kind of one light work what is your wish for them yeah you know i want to i want to show a really simple practice and i'm going to show it with movements so maybe i'll move my chair back a tiny bit but actually and i'll describe the movements as well but you can do it without movements but often when we're when we're working with a practice and we do it physically it provides a really quick pathway between our conscious and our subconscious. So it means that you think of it almost as you're giving your energy a very direct road to travel to bring the biggest harmony and health in your system. So let's do that because this practice is called Wings of Strength and it increases resiliency in your aura, which holds you safe and protected and connected. And it deeply grounds you, grounds you down, grounds you up, brings your centering back and allows space for your immense wisdom of your heart field to really, yeah, emanate from you and to fill you up. So let's do that. So you can bring both hands together in front of your heart, just in a prayer position and breathe in. And as you breathe in, just kind of squeeze those hands together as if you're sort of Ooh, bringing all of your attention into that gorgeous energetic core, like the very center of your body system. And as you breathe out, you're going to turn your hands out, turn your palms out and just push them away from your body, wherever they go. They can go in front of your body until your arms are outstretched with your palms still facing away from your body. They can be out by your side and then come back in and squeeze them together again with your palms in front of your chest. Breathing out with the palms turned outwards and just, I'll do it in front of me so you can see. So pressing out, breathing in and just find your own rhythm. 
And each time you come in, you just bring that squeeze in, center all your energy together. And as you breathe out, you invite your energy to move out through your hands, through your arms, through your entire skin. So you begin to give your aura, your biofield, your amazing, amazing interconnective space. You give it more energy. You help it weave itself in its fullness. And after you've done that a few times, you can just come and put both hands over your chest and take a breath in. Bring that love to your body. There we go. When I watch people doing that, Danielle, it feels like, oh, suddenly there's almost these great big wings in that. That's exactly what I pictured. It's exactly what I pictured. Oh, that's so beautiful. We hold so much tension and pain in our back heart, that space that's between the shoulder blades. And that practice just helps the heart come into its strength. And when we do that, it means that energy can come from the back and wrap around us. So that's why it looks like those big wings. You're magic. I'm so, so honored that I got this hour with you. Thank you so much for being here on the planet, on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad I'm on the planet and on the podcast (laughs) and that we are walking it together. Mm. Thank you. 